You're listening to episode number 28 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. These are real stories and real experiences of widowhood, both my own personal story and many other widows I've known and worked with as a life coach. Hi. I'm so glad you're back to listen again. Today, I don't really have written out bullet points. I don't have a lesson to teach you. I just wanted to turn on the microphone and talk a little. Uh, So I hope you don't mind about that. One of the things I wanted to mention in passing is that in about another week, I will be launching an online weight loss program. I don't know many of you um, would be interested in that or not, but I will certainly announce it on this podcast when I do, in case there are others like me who gained weight through the first year of widowhood. But mostly my program is geared towards those who have struggled with their weight off and on for many years. I've been someone, I've yo-yoed my weight up and down, up and down, and I finally realized that dieting and exercise don't work all by themselves. You can take off weight, but it always comes back on again. I studied and looked at a lot of medical studies and um, went to school for coaching where I became a certified life coach. And I also became a certified weight coach because that is the thing that I, that's where one of my passions are is to teach others the things that I've discovered about weight loss and how to look at our thoughts and our beliefs to get to the root cause of why we overeat or have urges to eat when we're not hungry and how to overcome that. Because that's the real secret. Once you get rid of that urge that drives you to eat, then your body's going to take care of itself. Taking weight off is a snap. Keeping it off is impossible if you still have the same issues going on. So that's a bit of what this online program will be addressing. And um, as I said, I'm going to not launch the whole program. It's a pre-launch next week, which means that it'll be offered at a reduced price for registration. There's an initial registration that covers four training videos in the program with downloads and worksheets to get you through four weeks of learning. And then there's a monthly membership fee because I'll be adding ongoing videos and worksheets. I will be doing twice a month conference calls with everybody in the Weight Loss Mastermind so that I can do weight loss coaching right on those calls. So yeah, it's a couple coaching calls a month for a really cheap membership fee compared to paying for coaching. Of course, it doesn't replace one-on-one coaching. When I work individually one-on-one with someone on weight loss, I'm really getting right down into their thoughts, their issues with them, and we're exploring all of their reasons that they are urged to overeat and usually other things in their life too because the tools I teach can apply to your whole life and make a huge amount of difference in just six weeks. So enough of that. On to some widow stuff. (laughs) Widow stuff. Some of the things that we take on after our spouse pass away, passes away that we have to take on, things that they always handled or did, and suddenly we find ourselves in that role. 
one of those things for me is mowing the lawn. <laughs> now, I know you've probably heard my snowblower story. And let me back up here. I was listening to a few of my early episodes today, and the audio quality is so awful. <laughs> I do apologize. But understand, I am, or I was, when I recorded those episodes back in January, absolute novice when it came to creating podcast and um, audio files. I'm not a radio announcer's voice. I'm sure you hear that too. So these later episodes are sounding a little more cleaned up because I've gotten a little better at how this is set up when I record Probably I could hire somebody who would make my podcast sound really spectacular, but um, that costs a lot of money, and I'm not paid to do this, so it is what it is, but I just wanted to say, you know, the early episodes really share a lot of my backstory and a lot of the material, a lot of the reasons that I created this podcast, so they're worth listening to, but again, the audio quality is a little rough. So I apologize for that. It's not something that I think I could go back and re-record because I really spoke from the heart. And those early episodes were just like this one. There were no bullet points. There was nothing written down. I didn't know that other people who podcast might write down an entire script or at least an outline of a script that they follow. I just turn on the microphone and talk. It's what I do. <laughs> okay. So anyway... Mowing the lawns is something that I took on, and I know I shared my snowblower story with you all in the early episodes, where I went through that whole first winter, and I really wanted to be able to run the snowblower and run it myself to know that if I couldn't, couldn't get anybody to help, that I could dig my way out of this house in a snowstorm, and it was just an excruciating winter because for one reason or another, I could not get it to start. I couldn't get it to run. Um, it was just awful. And when I finally got all the steps down on how to start up the snowblower, I made my list and I posted it in my garage. And at the top in big red letters, pardon me, but it says bastard snowblower. So that I know the steps to overcome that monster. And at the end of the year, I took it to professionals to get it all tuned up and cleaned up and the oil changed. And I don't know whatever else they do to a snowblower, but I just, I took it to the snowblower place. So that for last winter, man, I was ready. I was ready. We did not get even one big storm that I needed the snowblower for so I never had a chance to see if I can I still don't know if I can snowblow my own driveway from start to finish and it's been a year and a half now so this next winter I will find out we had a couple of small storms but I ended up just shoveling them last year because it wasn't that much snow knock on wood because man in the past we've had some whoppers here in the Hudson Valley so mowing for me, and it's tough. I find that my flower gardens do not get the attention they used to because Jim was not a yard guy. He was a city guy. He grew up in New York City. He lived almost his entire life in New York City. When I bought the house up here in the Hudson Valley, his attitude kind of was, well, go find yourself a little house to play, a summer house to play with and you know, I might join you up there on a weekend or two in the summer. Oh, please. I knew I wasn't looking for a summer house. 
I was living in New York City was really exciting and I would not trade that experience for anything on the planet and I'm almost tempted to move back down into the city. I miss it. I kind of wish I still had our Bronx condo that we used to own because um, it was in a fantastic location and it was so cool to live in the city it's a whole nother rhythm new york city it, you can't even explain it and new yorkers if there's any new yorkers listening out there you are the best i love the people of new york city because anytime you need help in the city, somebody steps up. It's amazing. It's not the big cruel city. It's not like criminals everywhere. These are fabulous people. I love New York City. Anyway, I digress. When I bought the house up here, because I decided it was time to see some stars and have my front door open out onto the world instead of onto a hallway. You know, I lived like Jerry Seinfeld. For those of you who have never lived in New York City, I got the house up here and of course Jim moved up with me and he absolutely loved it. But he was a city guy. So it was like, if you want this house taken care of and you want to have gardens, that's all on you, Joanne. You know, he just didn't do those kind of things. And after he tried to fix a couple things around here, I was like, please, no, don't do anything. Don't do anything. He was really good at hiring somebody else to do things. That's what he was good at. So I would tell him, you can hire somebody. If you think the gutters need to be realigned somehow, well, let's hire somebody to do that. But unfortunately, my gardens now don't get quite the attention they used to because one of the things that Jim did do was run the lawnmower. I mean, he wouldn't edge, he wouldn't sweep up afterwards, <laughs> but he liked to walk behind the lawnmower. Well, now the lawn mowing is on me. So hot, kind of muggy day out there in New York, and I was out there this morning pushing that lawnmower around and feeling a little sad that my flower gardens have some weeds in them and they're looking a little neglected and they probably could use some water. But you have to accept that when you are taking on additional things that were not something that you shouldered before, other things kind of have to go by the wayside just a little bit. You know, maybe there's a little more dust in the corners of the house. If that's the way it has to be, that's the way it has to be. Because your life was not arranged for one person. Your life for so many years was arranged for two people, for a couple taking care of things. You could have more tasks than an individual person would set up for themselves. Because there were two of you to look after things. I was the one that looked after our finances and paid all the bills, handled all the bank accounts. And I'm grateful for that now because it meant that was not something I had to learn and struggle with after Jim passed away. I knew where all our money was. I knew how to log into all of our bank accounts. I knew what bills needed to be paid. I've spoke with other widows and I've coached other widows that that was a big question mark in the sky for them when their spouse passed away. They had no idea what bank accounts were where and what bills were going to come due. It was just the, they were having to try to get their arms around all the financial information. Thank God I didn't. But mowing lawns, I did. Another challenge that a lot of widows tell me about is making decisions around the house or remodeling their homes. 
Now, my mom was just the opposite. I remember when my father passed away, my mother started remodeling the whole house. It was like all those years that she had a husband and she had kids, and the house was designed around that. Uh, probably when we were kids growing up, they had to make sure things were durable enough to have around us. After we grew up, she had a lot of compromises with my dad's taste. So once he passed away, one of the ways she processed her grief was to redo the house. And man, did it turn into like a little English cottage. <laughs> no time, she had a floral sofa and flowered curtains. And my mom was from England. So yeah, she she really remodeled the entire house. But I've talked to other widows that they're just paralyzed at the thought. They see things now around their house that they know need to be taken care of. And they just resist it. It's hard. It's hard. They don't know who to call. They don't know who to hire. Uh, it something that they take. They have to take on at some point. And we do find our way. We do find our way to discover how do we find workmen to fix things. How do we find someone to do all the little stuff? I think that's the biggest challenge for me is all of the little things that I don't know how to do, but it's not enough to hire a workman to take care of. And I can't go borrow all of my neighbor's husbands because they're going to get irritated at that for sure. I'm sure they have their own honey-do list around the house for them. So for all those little things, what I find my best resource is, is google.com. I have Googled a lot of things and actually repaired things, patched things over, just Googling. I had a burner on my stove that wasn't working, and I have a gas stove. I was terrified by it because if I tried to turn it on and it was a back burner, flame would kind of come out the front of the stove. and it was Like there was a gas leak, and it was, I was horrified. I didn't know what to do. And so I just didn't use that back burner. It was like, okay, I'm just not turning that one on for a while because I'm not sure what to do with it. And then my hairdresser mentioned, you know, sometimes the little jets can get clogged. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know, I didn't see any jets on this stove. But I got home and I Googled it. And then I took a real close look and I could see a little pinhole. And I thought, how could it be? But I did. I poked a needle around in the hole, and then I tried turning the stove on and everything worked again just fine. Do I recommend that you try to repair a gas line yourself? No. <laughs> no, don't blow yourselves up. And I think my daughter was a little horrified that I had done that, uh, taking the chance because after I had poked around in all those little holes and things with a needle, uh, I kind of stood back from the stove <laughs> and turned it on thinking this is it. Either the burner works or I'm going to blow up my whole kitchen. Fortunately, the burner works, which means when November comes this year, I'm going to have no problem cooking Thanksgiving dinner because I'll have all four burners. These are the challenges, right? Am I right? Another of the challenges of being widowed and one that I'm only recently started to encounter are is the challenge of getting yourself out and about doing things and depression now the first year I know my family doctor questioned me all the time and I was kind of watching myself for you know signs of absolute depression I mean yeah I felt 
pretty sad a lot of the time. And a lot of days I just wanted to pull the blankets up over my head and never give up. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't really depression as you would think of depression. It was absolutely grief. Uh, being a little down, sure, of course I was. Now that I'm in the second year, and I had had so many widows tell me, oh, the second year is so much harder than the first. And I thought, now how can that be? And I sure hope they're lying because I don't want the second year to be harder than this. When I was in the middle of that first year, I couldn't imagine the second year being harder. I don't know that it's harder, but it's hard in a different way than the first year was. And one of the ways that it is harder is honest to God, depression can begin. And I've had a couple little bouts with that where I've just, and it's only been like a day, you know, maybe just a really blue down day, but really blue and down, which I have never been in my whole life. As you can probably tell on my episodes, I'm a pretty positive, upbeat person. <laughs> I can I choose happiness because I know happiness is a choice and I wake up choosing happiness every day. But I won't lie to you, especially not you, not to the widows that I'm podcasting this for, because we have to be open and honest with each other. You need to know that somebody who chooses happiness every day, somebody who has been a positive poly her whole life, can have an entire day where you just want to curl up in a cocoon. I don't leave the house and I cry over nothing. It feels awful. One of the things that will get you outside that I've discovered is an amazing motivation. And don't laugh at me. It's that new Pokemon Go download for your smartphone. I talked about this on my weight loss podcast this week. Because I think this is one of the most incredible little games that's ever been developed. Now, I had no idea what Pokemon was. When I was raising my daughter, there were no Pokemon yet. There were no Pokemon cartoons. I missed that whole segment of time where kids were playing Pokemon and there's those Pokemon movies. So I didn't know what Pokemon was. But I saw that they had created a game from it that you had to go walk around outside to find the little pocket monsters, which is what Pokemon is short for, pocket monsters, to catch. And I was curious about it, so I downloaded it on my iPhone. Well, let me tell you, I am obsessed. <laughs> But I love it. It's so much fun. It's like being a little kid running outside to play. And you go outside and walk around and you begin to find in your environment out there these little pocket monsters that you can catch. You flick the little ball to catch them. And there are poke stops located around town where you get close enough to a poke stop you can spin it and then you get extra balls to throw you get potions sometimes you get berries to feed the creatures <laughs> I know it sounds silly but it's not silly the benefits are amazing there are also um, gyms located at memori memorial sites and schools that almost everything that's important in the game like these poke stops and the the gyms where you can go train your pokemon to let them build up their fighting power they're at historic sites in your town 
or main buildings or churches. Almost every church is a poke stop, which makes me giggle because I have visions of people kneeling in church and, you know, swiping at their phone to get some extra balls while they're there at church. But you will discover your town and you'll discover little memorial sites that you had no idea were even there. It gets you outside walking around because the further you walk away from your house, the better the chances are that you're going to find rare and unusual Pokemon to catch. It connects you with other people because right now, Everybody is out there walking around with Pokemon on their phone. Trust me. At the poke stops where you can go, and as I said, you spin it and get extra balls. You can also place a lure, and suddenly that stop starts raining rose petals down all around it, which looks really beautiful. And it lures in more of the Pokemon to catch. And it'll lure them in not only for you if you set that lure, but for anybody else that comes and visits that stop. They can take advantage of it too. If a Pokemon, a rare Pokemon shows up because of the lure, all of you can see it and all of you can catch it. It's not like one person's going to catch it and somebody else is going to miss out. So it's really a cool, fun thing. And when you're out for your walk and you're looking for Pokemon and you see one of the stops is raining rose petals, if you go there, you're going to meet other people and you're all going to have a good laugh. The lure lasts for about half an hour and you can meet your neighbors and (laughs) catch Pokemon together. It sounds ridiculous. It's not. It's so much fun. I have a poke stop near my house that's only about a half a block away. Fortunately, I do have to go walk up there to use it. You have to be nice and close to use it. The other day, I did have a lure in my trainer's backpack in the game. So I went up to the stop and I installed the lure to have the rose petals start raining down. And sure enough, I had a few neighbors that showed up, walked up there to the stop. The first one was a young lady. She was about 19 years old. And we began talking and we made great friends. (laughs) Even though there's 30, 40 years between us in age. And other neighbors came up walking their dog and we all introduced ourselves. We were all catching them. The 19-year-old knew what all the monsters were. She was a millennial, so she grew up with Pokemon. She was born, you know, a few years before the first Pokemon movies and the Pokemon cartoons and all of that and playing Pokemon. So this was part of her childhood, Pokemon. She said to me, you don't understand. This game to me is like a dream come true. When I was a little kid, I used to imagine that I really could go out exploring in the world and find Pokemon to fill in my little index of Pokemon. And now she can. And she was a lot of fun because as we sat there, a monster approached that I hadn't seen before. I said, oh, what's this? And she said, it's an Abba. Oh, my gosh, it's an Abra. The Abra can do this. The Abra can do that. It's really a good one. I said, oh, did you catch it? And she said, yes. And I caught it, too. But it was fun because she could tell me what the special powers were for every single little monster that approached us. The benefits. You get out of the house. 
walking and it's fun. You get out there in fresh air and sunshine. Your great grandparents were right when they said you have to get out and get some air. It's why my mom used to say get outside and play. There are scientific studies that prove getting into the outside air has actually raised the scores on tests for college students. They studied it and they've equated it getting them outside to the improvement in air quality outside as opposed to being inside of a house or inside of a building. It will get you out meeting your neighbors. You will meet people of all ages at poke stops. It's a lot of fun. And they're also starting to discover now the benefits of this against depression. People with severe clinical depression, severe clinical depression are saying, you know, I left my house three times last week and talked to other people and met other people and that hasn't happened in years. So that's an amazing thing for a little video game on a telephone. It's something to think about if you've got the phone for it. Download Pokemon Go. It's free. And Figure out how to use it. You can Google it online to get some tips if you want because the game doesn't really tell you very much. You can also fumble your way through it, which is what I've been doing and kind of learning as I go. It's got some little tweaks and evolved. You get eggs. You have to incubate the eggs. You'll see. But do it because it'll get you out of the house, moving around. It'll lift your spirits. Suddenly you won't feel so alone because you'll be out there in the world meeting other people. And that's an awesome thing, especially in the second year, because it's in the second year. For me, I'm a year and a half in and I'm beginning to realize that I'm alone too much of the time. It didn't feel that way to me the first year because I was really wrapped up in my grief. But now those layers of grief, they're still there. I don't want to say the grief is gone because the grief really is not gone. Um, but I am starting to notice how much I'm alone and that I do need to get myself out and into the world. And this is just one way to start accomplishing that. So what else in the second year? Have you begun to learn how to eat for one? How <laughs> to cook for one, food for one. I'm still discovering that and I'm still learning that. Crazy as that sounds. Discovering that at a particular grocery store, I can get pre-made trays of salads. I can't even remember the name of the company. Some of them are organic even. They're in the produce section and they're wonderful because all the greens are in the bottom and there's a tray on top that will have seeds in it and maybe breadcrumbs, maybe some nuts in it and dressing is in there and you just kind of mix it all up. You can get them that already have chicken in them or ham in them. Um, nice green salads and it's enough for one. It's perfect. So eating for one, my eating habits are really changing. I'm trying to not get away from the good eating habits that I've always had. I used to make sure everything was organic. I still buy most of my vegetables organic, good meats, shopping the, out, the outer rim of the grocery store. They tell you stay away from the center aisles and go around the outer edges of the grocery store because that's where all the fresh produce is, the meat, the dairy products. Processed foods are all in the middle, but I find that I'm kind of falling into that processed food area a little bit now that it's just me and I'm not cooking 
big dinners or complicated dinners because it's just me in the house. Finding things in the produce section like prepared salads is a real godsend. Um, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes I just cook a hot dog, you know, because a hot dog sounds like such a good idea and it's so easy when it's just me. I don't beat myself up for that. It's just still learning to adapt to this being a widow and being without my spouse in the middle of the second year. So how has the second year been for you? Have you been widowed that long yet? You might still be in the really early stages. And there is so much to learn about yourself as you move through it. But I want to hear from those of you that are in your second year or your past your second year. Maybe you can look back on it and go, yeah, this is how it was. I would love to hear some stories to share. In the meantime, do go into iTunes and leave me a review with five stars, please. <laughs> Having reviews written up in iTunes for Widowcast will help it show up for other widows looking for Widowcast. And if you would be interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, with me and I do coach widows. I started because of this podcast. I had other widows reaching out to me because they felt so stuck in their life. And I discovered that there is so much that my coaching can do and has really been life changing for them. If you're interested, go to my website at joannthelifecoach.com. You can sign up for a mini session. You can also find the mini sessions just by going to talktojoanne.com, J-O-A-N-N. There's no E on my name. Talktojoanne.com will take you directly to my schedule and you can schedule a free mini session. That's a half hour phone call with me. It will take you to my calendar where you can pick out a day and a time to talk to me. I would love to hear from you. You'll find out what it's like to be coached. And if I think you're a good fit for coaching, I'll let you know what the coaching packages are. So get out there in the world. Go check out Pokemon Go. If you have an iPhone or a Samsung phone, an Android phone, I think it's available on all of them. Get out of your house. Go meet some people. Find some joy in your day. Until next time. <laughs>